0: relationships, and we've been looking at family relationships. Last week we looked at marital relationships, we looked at the expectation and reality gap that we have these expectations when we go into marriage and then we have this reality and then in between those there's this huge gap that we try to fill and we end up making a lot of wrong choices in our relationships let me just say this for those of you that missed the message last week let me encourage you to listen to that you can go online and listen to it um, or if you have iTunes, you can listen to that. Another great spot, if you have an Android phone, a great place that I go to to put all my podcasts is called Player FM. And that organizes all your podcasts. If you go on Player FM, just, just, just look up Living Word, Bard and Trace, and you can find all the messages right there. They will upload those things for you every single week. You can get those um, off, off online and get the messages. We put them up right away on Sunday afternoon. Really would love for you couples to listen to the last week's message If you missed. I believe it will really help you. So what I want to do today, I want to jump right into the Word because we're looking at relationships and every single one of us in this room always struggles something with relationships, whether it's marital relationships or family relationships. And I believe that the word of God speaks to those to us today. And what I want to do is I want to jump into the word of God because the word of God does help us in our relationships, not only marital relationships, but relationships with our families and how do we navigate through those things so that we're honoring God. And I believe one of the, one of the things that God truly cares about in your life is that our relationships are healthy. And here's the reason why, listen to me, look up here for a moment. Here's the reason why I believe God is so uh, tuned into us having healthy relationships. The whole reason why Jesus came was to destroy a broken relationship that we have with God the Father. Our sin destroyed that relationship. Jesus comes to bridge that broken relationship by giving his life for us. And when that relationship is restored, isn't your life made new again? That doesn't mean you're not going to have problems or that we're not going to have issues or trials or tribulations in our life. But all of a sudden, God makes our life new again. That which was broken was now made whole. Listen to me. Listen, everybody up here. Listen, this is so good. And then we're going to pray and we're going to close. and You're going to go home. No, I'm just teasing. Um, Listen, listen. Here's what's so important. When your relationship with God is in a right relationship, it will be reflective in all your other relationships. Listen, if your relationship with God is broken or there's a miscue in there, it's going to be seen in your other relationships. God not only wants you to have a good relationship with him, but if God has changed my heart, it's going to be seen in the way I have my relationships with others. That's going to be seen in in your marriage relationship. That's going to be seen in your relationship with your kids. So no matter what stage you're at, whether your parents or your kids are out of the house, God cares about your relationships because it's reflective of your relationship with him through his son, Jesus. That's why God cares. God cares that you have healthy relationships. So let's jump into the word of God here. Uh, Ephesians chapter, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. This talks about our relationship's with husbands and wives, and then he's going to jump into chapter 6, talking about a relationship with our children. So let's look at this. It says, Wives, submit to your husband as unto the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now he turns to the husbands. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one's ever hated his own body, but he feeds it, cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now he switches to children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Ch- no, I'm just saying. So important here. Verse 2. Honor your mother and father. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, if you honor them, verse 3 says, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. We brought you in. We can take you out. No, I'm kidding. That was my version there. Verse 4, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. So God, just help us today and keep our hearts open to what your plan is for our families and for our relationships. God, you do have a plan and it's a good plan. You created, you designed marriage and God, we need to listen to you because our world today is all over the place. And the reason why we're all over the place, is we don't have a standard. And we're following our own ways. And when we do that, God, we just make mistakes. So God, help us to see your way. That there, there may be blessings in our life and health in our relationships, Lord. So thank you for your word. We believe it's your word. It's infallible. It's perfect. So God, may we heed it today. And we just ask these things. And Jesus, wonderful, wonderful name. And everyone said. So here's the thing. Here's the thing that perplexes me. It's interesting how we get so much training In so many other areas of our lives, but the most important things in the area of our life, we don't seem to get training. So think about it for a moment. You go to school, you go to four years of college, right, to get a degree in some specific area that you may have some expertise in this area you're going through. So you go to college, maybe four years, five years, six years, whatever. You go to high school, maybe you go to high school for four years, some of you five years, some of you six years, right? You go to high school and you spend a lot of time there. And, and so you're, you're, you're specifically getting trained for some area of your life. And it's, it's amazing how we spend so much effort, so much time and so much money on training for our job one day, but the very issue that we have most issues in, and the most struggles in, we don't seem to get a lot of training in. It's interesting. I have when I have uh, my premarital classes, I'll have uh, the couples that they want to get married. I have them just fill an application, and I want to get to know their background, you know, what their upbringing was like, so I can kind of specify how I want to deal with that couple and what things that we need to focus on and uh, what areas that, that I could help them uh, the best way and to help them, give them a good foundation for their marriage. And so one question I ask them is, have you read any books, listened to anything, Have any training on marriage? And overwhelmingly, most couples will say no. And the reason why is they say, our love will just lead the way, right? Our love will just lead the way. How many of you, that just got you in a lot of trouble, right? We don't have any instruction or any teaching on married life. How many new parents, when you had a child, I can remember Kathleen and we had Colby. We're, we're at the hospital. Colby's born. And you know, this is 20 years ago. We're at the hospital. And we're like, you know, everything went good. The birth went good. And, and we're just there. And the nurses would take them away. And then we'd feed them, And then they'd bring them back. And it was real nice. I like, go, we could do this for months. We'll just stay right here. This is a good deal. This is a, and all of a sudden, we have to bring them home. And all of a sudden, we asked the nurse. We're like, well, what? what what do we do? Like what what there's there's no instruction manual. What what you know um what do we do? I mean, how often should we feed them? I'm not kidding you. Verbatim, quote from the nurse. Whenever he's hungry. Well, duh. I, do, so what happens? You feed them, then they fall asleep, and then they're off schedule. And so for the first three, four, five weeks, it was just misery because we didn't know what we were doing. How many can relate. Do you parents know what, okay, can I get an amen out there, right? You just, there's no one, so you feel like you're a horrible parent, and the kid's not happy, and you're feeding them enough, and, you know, can, can, is there, is there like a return policy, or like, can we go back? Can we take them back to the hospital, right? And so here it is with marriage. Let's be honest. Most of us go into our marriages with no clue, and, and if we do have a clue, what we go into is the example that we had from our parents, and for many of you, probably wasn't a great example of what a marriage should be like. And so we go into college, we get this knowledge and understand about certain fields so that we have expertise. But when it comes to marriage and family, we, we basically get no training. And it usually comes from what we've witnessed and what we grew up with. And many times that was just unhealthy. And so the very thing... The very thing that should be the most important thing in our lives usually is the thing that is most neglected. And usually when people begin to think about being more proactive in their relationship because things start to tank is when there's a problem. And when we become more proactive in our areas of our lives, it's interesting how the outcome will be different. And I believe with all my heart In my marriage, the best thing that I could ever give my kids is a good marriage. It's not a kid-centered marriage, but a spouse-centered marriage. And I believe that's the best gift that you can give your child. And that's what I want to encourage you today in your families. What can we do to create health and stability in such a, a, a traumatic society that we live in and, and our families, and, and how disastrous so many things are, and, and I believe it's never too late with the Lord, to begin to listen to His word, to begin to place in our priorities what God would desire us to do, and I believe it's never too late. And so this is what I want us to do. I want us to look at what does it mean to have a healthy family. And let me first say this: There are no perfect families. Amen. I don't care what Facebook or Instagram tells you. There are no, everybody has something in their past, in their family that's just messed up or whatever. There's no perfect families. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're saying, Pastor, I came from the most dysfunctional family that you can think of. And some of you are thinking, man, Pastor, I, I did my best with my kids and they still made so many bad choices. And listen, listening to this message, I don't want you to feel worse or more guilty or to beat you up. My desire this morning is that I believe that we can go from just surviving to thriving if we really listen to what the Lord desires for our families. That we can make healthy choices and that we can live an example before our kids. No matter what stage you're in, whether your kids are young, teenagers, or out of the house, we can be that example before them of what it means to have a healthy relationship with God and continue to live that example before them. And and this doesn't mean that we nag our older children when they're grown and, and that we say, you need to do this and that and the other. How do we build good, healthy relationships so that we have a platform to continually speak into their lives? Where God gives us the permission to continually speak in our children's lives, even when they're older. Because how many know that you can do the best job laying out that platform for your kids, but when they're older, they're going to make their own choices. They're going to make their own decisions. And so many of you may have two kids and three kids or four kids, and you say, well, 50% of them did pretty good. The other 50% did not do real great, and you can beat yourself up and say, what do we do different here? What do we do different there? Listen, stop beating yourselves up, because so many times they make their own choices, right? We want to to celebrate and pet ourselves in the back when they make great choices and when they make bad choices where we we beat ourselves up. And that's not what I want to do here today. And so I want us to have healthy relationships. So whether or not you have children at home or they're out of the house, I believe we can be proactive in having healthy families that are vibrant and alive and following the Lord and obeying what God wants. So today what I want to do is um, I want to make it personal because I know where you are and I'm in the same boat as you are uh, as, as, as a parent with children. And, and I want health in my marriage and I want health in my family. And I know that God wants the same for yours. So, so let me give you the most important priorities in your life. And I believe it's switching our values and switching our priorities to what God truly cares about. The number one priority in your life that God gives to you is your marriage and your family. That's the most important thing that God lays in your lap. There's a priority. There's a value there. God, am I placing the correct value on my marriage and my family that actually honors you? It's not your job. It's not your hobby. It's not the school's job to raise your kid or the church's job. It's our responsibility to shape them and to live that example before them. There's an interesting story that I've been following over the last couple of weeks. It's been very intriguing. I've been reading a lot of articles and follow up to this story. And it's a story about a professional golfer named Phil Mickelson. Some of you may know him. And uh, Phil's an incredible golfer. has won won many majors except one. And that's the U.S. Open, which is going to be played very soon. And uh, Phil is getting ready to turn 47 years old. And so in order to get the grand slam of winning every major, he'd have to win this one. And this one, he's coming second like a zillion and 50 times. And so the problem is, the U.S. Open is being played during the exact time of his daughter's graduation and his daughter's not only graduating but she's speaking at her graduation and i've been listening to, i've been reading a lot of articles and and so phil says i'm going to forgo the u.s open as to be with uh to hear my daughter in california and the u.s open is being played i think in milwaukee and so different ends of the country no way he can he can make it unless there's some miracle and the school's not changing the date he didn't want them to do that and so on and so forth But it's interesting, listening to people make comments on his choice. Now, I don't know Phil's heart. I don't know why he's doing it. Um, I'm not going to speak for him. But the one thing I can say is that I think he's doing the right thing. You know, I think he's seen his priority with his family. Now, for some event, maybe a hailstorm hits or a rainstorm, and he can finish the graduation... He does have a jet that he can fly himself, which is nice about being a professional golfer. You have your own jet. Isn't that cool? That's pretty nice. I mean, he might be able to do it, but, but if not, he says, I want to be at my daughter's graduation. What's interesting is hearing some of the comments. A couple weeks ago, I was watching the Memorial Tournament, golf tournament, and some of the comments just seemed like, he's not going to do it again. Maybe he's doing it because he feels like there's no way he could win. All these different comments. I don't care. The priority is what's there. What's most important, the thing that God lays in our lap, that I believe is paramount and priority is our marriage and our family. There was an interesting study done by the University of Virginia over 3 uh, over a 3-year period and what they discovered was they discovered four types of family cultures that are shaping the next generation in American families. Really eye-opening, very interesting. And what they discovered was they discovered basically four groups in this three-year study. And let me tell you the four groups that they came up with. The first group was called the faithful, and this comprised of about 20% of American parents. This group taught their children a strong sense of right and wrong. Their morality was handed down to them through their Christian belief And their main concern was raising children that reflected God's promise. This was more important than their children's future career success. In other words, they were raising their children in accordance with biblical values, 20%. The second group was called the engaged progressives, and this made up 21%. They believe morality centered around personal freedom and responsibility. Having sidelined God as uh, the morality author, engaged progressives see few moral absolutes beyond the golden rule. They value honesty and are skeptical about religion and are often guided morally by their own personal experience or what feels right to them. In other words, they would say, do what you feel is right. The third group was the detached. This made up about 19% of the survey. Their motto was let kids be kids and let the cards fall where they may. Pessimistic about the future and their children's opportunities, they report low levels of marital happiness. They do not feel particularly close to their children and they do not spend much time interacting with their children. Dinner is usually in front of the television set. And the fourth group, the last group, was the American Dreamers. And this made up the biggest percent of their survey, of their study. And this was 27%. The the American Dreamers, what they did is they poured themselves into raising their children and providing them every possible material and social advantage. American Dreamers described their relationship with their children as very close and expressed a strong desire to be best friends. Their children, once they are grown, they wanted to be their best friends. These families would be seen as child-centered. So those are the four groups that they came up with. And these represent the type of culture that is found in our families. Now, as you listen to those, you might be thinking this. Hmm, yeah, that was definitely, I fit into one of those categories in my family, the way we were raised. So what type did you grow up with? And so this is what I want to deal with today, and I want to talk about three seasons of parenting, and how you can bring health and relational uh, stability in these three seasons of parenting in your life. And I I believe this speaks to all of us here, and I hope this will help you to better have have better uh, relationships. In your family dynamics, uh, so let me give you the three real quick, and we're going to dive into each. The first group I want you to see are young parents, um, and, and and I would call this group tired parents. So these are parents with children under twelve. How many of you have? How, how many you have parents with kids under twelve? Okay, great. Let's pray for you right now. Right, you got twelve tired parents. The next group, the seasonal, are, are parents with teenagers the teeny bopper parents and i call those parents please pray for me parents how many parents have teenagers in your house okay and then uh and, and 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 uh you know that's always a struggle in that age group with teens uh so let's pray for those families right now in jesus name right so i know it's a struggle i remember when i was a youth pastor fried kids many of the parents of the teenagers come up to you and say pastor bard what do you think about this and how should, what should we do with our kids and i would give them this advice and now i'm thinking back of raising three teens of my own I'm like man what was i thinking i don't know anything about that back then and these parents trusted my wisdom when i didn't have any kids so it's crazy it's crazy crazy time um and then i see this this uh, third group are older parents or empty nesters how many have older kids and you're empty nesters raise your hand okay um, your kids are grown, they're out of the house, hopefully, right? How many of you got some house... Pe- no, I'm just... Don't raise your hand, don't incriminate yourself. Got some older house guests that need to get out, okay? So you have those. Um, those of you that your kids are having kids and and, and your grandparents, you're in that... Season of your life. So let me dig into these three. Um, let me dig into these three seasons and and how can we create healthy relationships within those? Um, the first I want to dig into is those young parents. And let me give you a, a passage here in Deuteronomy six six through nine. I love this verse. It says, "And as you commit yourselves wholeheartedly to the commands that I'm giving you today, this is what the Lord instructed Israel when they were." in the promised land and they're going in there and they're going to they're gonna be part of this nation that God is dwelling together. And these are the instructions that he gives them. He cares about the family. And this is what God says to them. He says, this is what I want you to do. Repeat to them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at church. What does it say there? Talk about them when you are at home. And when you are on the road and when you are going to bed and when you're getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them around your forehead as a reminder. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. What's interesting about this passage that God gives uh, to the Israelites and establishing their families and what God sees important, all these verses are proactive that he's saying you need to be proactive in the spiritual lives of your children. And here's what I would say to you, parents that have young kids. Here's what I would say Be intentional with your children concerning their spiritual lives. Take hold of your responsibility as the primary spiritual role model in their lives. Faith starts at home, not at church. Church is important. We come together, we can learn. And there's a lot of great ministries for kids that will help you in the parenting of your kids spiritually. But don't leave it up to church to, to be the spiritual guide of your kids. What this verse is saying, God is saying faith must start in your homes. Let me just say this. Your, the, the, the first spiritual example that your kids will see is not me. Your kids will see you as their first pastors. You will be your kids first pastors. They need to see it in you first. Never take that lightly. The role of God having you as their spiritual mentors. Be intentional with prayer, Bible reading and your dedication to church here. I'm going to get preachy. Can I get preachy for just a minute? Okay. Put your rocks down, okay? I think this is so important for for us to understand as parents. Listen, if you make church a priority, you know what? Most likely, your kids are going to make church a priority when they get older. Here's what we do at our church, and this is just not at our church, but let me just give you the facts so we can kind of... Take the emotionalism out of it, maybe. Here are the facts: um, we can track our kids' attendance because we register kids every week, so we can kind of track families and their attendance patterns. And, and this is just not in our church. This is really something that's happening in the church as a whole in America. But and these are these are people that claim that this is our church. We're members of our church. We we're part of our, our living word. This is just not frequent attenders that don't really see this or membership or whatever. But we can track our children and the attendance, and we register them. We found out that the average family comes less than two times a month to church. So basically less than two out of four weeks. And what is interesting to me, if I can just get a little preachy, just let me. What's interesting, we would never tell our kids that they could go to practice two out of five days. Or we would never tell our kids we can go to school one out of five days if you want to. See, listen, I'm not here to put anyone on a guilt trip, or, but here's the thing: what is our priorities when it when it comes to the things of God? And I want, I want you parents to think this. I want you to think long term. What are you instilling in your child? And you have a great opportunity, as they're young, to model that before them. And I don't want us to get like. You've got to do this, you can't do that, and then kids rebel against it. What I'm saying is, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit in just another section, because some of you parents I know, you're like, well, Pastor, my kids just don't like coming, and what, what do we do? And I'm struggling here, so I, I want to help you to see that. And I'm going to share that with you in just a minute. But here's, here's what I want you parents to realize. I want you parents just to give your kids a love for the Word of God, a love for the stories of God a love for Jesus and what he's done for them. I believe one of the best tools that you can do with your kids and reading to them, this is a book that's come out not too long ago, but it's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. This is incredible. And what this book does is it kind of goes through the whole story of the Bible, but it ties Jesus in to the whole picture and lets them know more about Jesus and how Jesus fits into the whole Bible. Now, some of you may be here and you're like, Pastor, I have a real struggle in understanding the Bible. As an adult, I would read it. (laughs) Sometimes I catch myself just reading it. It's so good. The reason why I like it so much, the pictures are incredible. Right? If you're a picture person, this thing is awesome. If it just had pop-ups in it, it would be just, I'm going to write them and just say, put some pop-ups in it. It would be just that much better. Incredible way of explaining the whole Bible and how it relates to Jesus. Parents, I could not recommend this to you more than any other resource just a wonderful wonderful resource. you can get it right on amazon the jesus storybook bible that's just a great way that you can pray with your kids that you can read the word of god to them and just shape them and give them a hunger now all the other things vbs and children's church on sunday morning and wednesday night with the National girls' ministry and rangers and youth group. All those other things are great. Those all, are all supplemental to what God should, you're already instilling in your kids. All those other things are supplemental to help them love and know Jesus in a greater way. So let me encourage you to do that. Okay. I think sometimes raising our kids a little bit easier because they're younger, they're, you know, they're, they're very open and that may be a lot easier. The struggle comes when we become teenagers, and so let me share with you my personal story, because I realized that some parents started coming to church when their children were, were teens. And I believe this is a little harder. And uh, my parents didn't become followers of Christ until I was a teen. And I want to uh, let me tell you what what they did, which I thought was very important. My parents as they became followers of Jesus, they they really wanted um, their children. They had three children at the time to really come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and this was a priority for them. And so there were some things that I thought that my parents did that were good, that were good. Now, I didn't like them at the time, but looking back now, I felt they were very good because I felt like my parents modeled what they believed, and they valued what they believed, and they made it a priority for our family. And so what my parents did was when they became followers of Jesus, I was about 13 or 14, I was in junior high. They made me go to church. They made me go to church. Now, I didn't like it at the time, but they made me go because they wanted to position me in a place where I could hear from God, or I could hear the stories of God, and maybe God would do something at heart. So they wanted to position me in a place that I could at least be sensitive or or hear from the Lord. So they 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 made me go to church. Now it wasn't an option. However, however, here's what they did: they made it a family thing. They didn't make it like got to go to church and then and then and then they didn't live it at home. They lived it at home too. This was part of our life now. They said, "Listen." They sat us down. They said, "This is priority for us. I know you don't like going." But this is priority. So what we're going to do is, starting on Sundays, we're going to go every single week. We're going to start going to church as a family, as a family. So we did. I mean, we just that was priority. And I'm, I'm looking back now, I'm so glad um, that my parents did that. Now, here's what they did. So in order for to give the incentive for me to go, they would pay me every week to go. No, I'm teasing. They, they didn't. <laughs> some of you're writing, did not pay kids every week to go to church. No, if you want to do that? That's okay. No, what they would do is they would make it fun. And so what we would do is we would go out to lunch every Sunday. And they knew I liked steak and eggs. They'd If you want to order steak and eggs, go ahead. And they just made kind of a family thing. Like it it became very close. And here's the thing that was really cool. Here's the things that I remember. When we started going to church as a family, we made it a priority and we're going to lunch after and stuff. Um, I remember my grandparents started coming to church. (laughs) It's a good memory. It's a good memory, sitting with my grandparents, and, and there are times that I wasn't saved at that time, but just sitting and going out to lunch with them and being part of that, and then eventually when I came to the Lord, it was just part of our family dynamics, and it was, that's something that I'll never forget. Now, I didn't like it at the time, going to church. I liked the breakfast. I didn't like the church. But sometimes, parents, can I just say this? You're going to have to do things for your kids that they may not like, but what I want you parents to see is long-term that you want to instill. Listen, when they get older, they're going to make their own choice. I get that. I get that. I get that. I get that. But you want to instill something that's very important to you. That's not browbeating them. My parents didn't, you know, get me in a headlock, but they, they said, Barton, this is priority. I know you don't, but we're going to go. And, 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 and this is what we're going to do. And, 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 they, and they positioned me. See, my parents steered me to the things that would develop me spiritually, even though I didn't want to be developed spiritually at the time. But they placed me in that place. And my parents cared more about that than my sports. Because at the time, I was on the varsity swim team. I was on the varsity tennis team. I was really involved in sports. I liked, I liked skiing. I liked all those things. And um, But they said, Sunday, Barton, this is what we're going to do. And they supported me in all those other things. But they said, Sunday, this is what we're going to do. And then eventually, when I came to the Lord as a 16-year-old, um, those desires in sports kind of, faded away, <laughs> kind of faded away for me because my desire became to follow the Lord. I went on my first missions trip as a teen. Um, and anything that was related to church or youth group or something that, that my parents could encourage me to go to, they just got behind it. And so as a teenager, I went on my first missions trip. And if your son or daughter is interested in going on a mission strip or anything that could place them in the place of God, I would go. And some of you may think, wow, $1,500, $1,400 to go on a mission strip, that's a, that, that's a lot of money. Listen, if God will provide the way. In my first mission strip, God provided the way. Um, I, I, just, I can't begin to tell you how thankful I am that my parents positioned me in a place where I could hear from God. The priorities begin to change, but they did it in a way that was very loving and supportive and, and just said, Barden, this is priority for our family, and I'm so glad. I, I, I pray that that will be instilled in my kids, too, as they grow older and, and, and eventually move out of the house, that they will have that same priorities um, for their family also. Here's what I wanted to do, because I know some of you parents, you struggle in this area with your kids. Um, and I, I want to encourage you today to not give up, um, that, to keep praying for your kids and, and those of that may have even raised your kids in the church and then they're kind of far away now and not to give up and not to, not to get discouraged. But what I want to do is I want to interview a teenager today for you. And as I was just going over a message, I thought it would be neat to hear from a teenager that's just going through some things. And I asked Aaron Bellinger to come. Aaron is 18 years old, just getting ready to graduate from Wayne Central. Why don't you give Aaron a hand as he just comes up here? So Aaron started coming to our church when he was fifth, fourth grade, fifth grade, uh, fifth, grade. fifth grade, and uh, his mother dragged him here. He had to come. And uh, God has been doing some things in Aaron's heart and his life. He uh, just recently went on a missions trip with us, and I've noticed Aaron just how God's been changing him. And I, I, wanted, I wanted to ask Aaron some questions on how his mom helped him and prayed for him, even as as a kid, like, okay, I'm going to go to church, I'll listen to your mom, but then you get to become a teenager and a teenage boy, right? And then you, you know everything at that at that age, right? And and kind of maybe rejecting maybe some of the things that you've learned and what his mom did to continue to encourage him to, to where he is today and how God has really gripped his heart. I'm hoping this will encourage you. So, Darren, let me just ask you, what what when you first started coming to the church, what did your mom do to encourage you? How did she live it out before you to... To come to church and and start your your walk with with Christ.
1: Start like you said, it started in fifth grade. Um, I was always it was back and forth. I, I wanted to go, I didn't want to go. It was like, should I go to youth group? Should I not? But she would always she would bring me there. I mean, there was fighting and arguing, but it ended up I was ended up there, and she always prayed with me every night. That was encouraging because. Even though I may have not wanted to do it, she always did. And at 10, or 10 years old or 11, it was fifth or sixth grade, I remember saying, like, uh, oh, this is, I'm just, it's too late in my life to start me in this, you know? Like, she was new to it, I was new to it, it was a thing. But with my stepdad and them married, um, it became more of a family priority. Like, <clears throat> we all go together. So making it a family priority was a little bit better than just me and her going.
0: How did your mom encourage you in your teenage years? I know that gets a little a little harder. How did she yeah. encourage you in those years? Um,
1: it was financially tight, but she always was able to send me to youth conventions and retreats, and would bring me on Wednesday nights. Sometimes it would just be me, and sometimes she would go to the Wednesday nights, and that's kind of hard because I feel like if she, I feel like as a mother, she should want to she should be the leader, an example, so if she wants me to go to church, she should go as well, so we both have that That's initiative great. to That's want to learn and know about God, but it was always on the edge, and then during these youth conventions, we'd go, and there'd be thousands of children and kids all with the same interests and wanting to know more about God, and I feel like my roots would get planted, and they are pretty deep, and then I'd come back, my mom said there was a big change, and she could see a good change in me. And then going back to high school, middle school, you know, you'd be faced with all those temptations and the darkness of the world. And decisions and choices, those are just, those are hard to make in that time. public schools, they're not the best influences. And um, so I feel like my roots weren't they would be there planted for a while, but then they would get dug up again, just getting back into that darkness of the world. Um,
0: was there anything that you remember during those times that you saw in your mom that was important to you, even even in your struggles? Did you feel her praying for you? Was there a consistency
1: still? Yeah, like the consistency of her praying every night, that definitely helped because it kept that thought of God's there with me through through it all, so that helped
0: when did you actually go from your faith you know thinking like this is my faith now from your mom's like when did you own it like you felt man god i really feel like you know i'm going to take this personally into my life of what christ did for me instead of you know there is a change there comes a point where you want your kids to own it themselves what how how, what was for you because i know you went on the missions trip and there's a big change for you there last year
1: um it was it was the retreats and convention, but that was it wasn't I wasn't as into the ground as I wanted to be. And sure. that missions trip in Co- to Costa Rica last February that was that was kind of the breaking point between like I can go on my own and do this by myself, whether my mom's there or not. Or that's good. But
0: so let me ask you this: what what could you do to encourage parents? You know, and uh, with. with the struggle with that and their kids owning their
1: own family? I would just say, parents, be consistent and keep on encouraging, no matter what it is. If you have to drag in the church, do it. Because at 10 years old, saying, oh, it's too late for me to go, I now I'm here, it's a lot different. It's, I would never go back to not being that 10-year-old saying that again. Um, combine their interests with God. Like I remember when I was in like seventh she got me a comic book action Bible, and that was cool because I like yeah. comic books, and it has all the dialogue of the Bible. Idea. Yeah, she, so just combining it, but keep praying for them. Don't ever give up, and stay encouraging and consistent.
0: So how would you see her walk with Christ now? What? what?
1: It's, it's amazing. It's, right. After the missions trip, it kind of opened my eyes, being a part of that team. Everyone has the same interests, the same motives for God. I went on it kind of knowing about God and wanting to know about God. But after the mission trip, it kind of made me want to live for God. And, yeah. and even though messages are hard to interpret in my life from God, it's, I feel calls and I think it's working.
0: Good, man. Good. Hey, Aaron, thanks for sharing. This is tough for Aaron because I just laid this on him this week. So why don't you give Aaron just a little... Thanks, Aaron, so much, man. Thanks, man. I just laid it on Aaron this week. and he said, "Hey, would you do?" He's like, "What? Would you?" Do? <laughs> so God really helped them. And I just wanted you to hear that from a perspective of mom working with their, working with her teenager and, and praying for them. Let me remind your parents: you model your values. You model your values through example and repetition. Listen to me again. It's the best thing you're going to hear all day. You model it. You model your values through your example. And your repetition, they're going to see it in you as that example. So no no matter where your kids are in their life, they're going to see that in you. And so talk with your team, pray with your team, be honest with your failures. I think this is a mistake we make as parents. We're, we're, um, we're leery of saying, I'm sorry, or I made a mistake here. Be honest with your failures, because what they will do is they'll make you more approachable and more real and make Christ much more real in our heart that we all have mistakes. We've all made mistakes in our lives and we didn't do things correctly. And I believe by praying with your teen and being honest with your failures, it opens up the door. I, I think it's important that you listen to your teen. Listen, your teen doesn't need you to be their best friend. They need you to be their parent. And I see so much unstructure in so many of the lives of young people. And actually we think that more unstructured is actually better, but actually what they're looking for is more structure because more structure brings stability and healing and help in their lives. Dads, talk to your sons. Beware with them. They need to be taught what real intimacy is all about. God's designed for marriage and sex. Teach them how to respect a girl and the proper way to date. All these things are our responsibility. Let me just make a plug for next week, for, for, for guys' day next week. Big day. Best day of the year. Um, I want to encourage you men next week. I just want to encourage you to be here next week. I believe that God has laid just a message on my heart for you to encourage you to be leaders in your home. So I'm excited about that next week. Let me just make a, a plug about that. But see, eventually we want our children to own their own faith. We want it to be real to them. And so maybe as they traverse through their life, they may wander, but our prayer is constantly, God, make it real to them. Whatever path they go on, Lord, make it real to them so that their faith becomes real. But I have to model that before them consistently, consistently, consistently. Here's a great devotional book for you parents with teenagers. It's called Follow Jesus. It's a... It's just the first steps on what does it mean to follow Jesus. And if you're looking for a good devotional, we have these for free for you. They're on our Get Connected table. So parents of teens, if you want that, please go ahead and take that. I took Wesley through this. It's a great book. Um, so this is available for you as a resource for you parents to help you um, with your kids and their, their devotional life and, and to, to bring some teaching in, into their heart. Let, let me just go through this third one. And these are older parents or empty nesters or grandparents. And uh, the question may be, what if... What if your grown children aren't serving the Lord? And, and I know that's always a struggle. And, and here's what I would say to you in this season of your life. Here's what I would say to you, grandparents, empty nesters, pray for them and continually be part of their lives. And I believe the best thing that you can do as, as grandparents is love your kids and to love your grandkids. I believe that, listen, I, I was talking to a grandma the other day and she goes, I just feel like I'm not being used by the Lord. She goes, you know, this season of my life, I just feel, and I go, listen, you've, you you're, you're you just went out to lunch with your grandson. I think that's awesome. She goes, really? I said, yeah, you're keeping that relationship open. You're showing him that you love him, that you care about him. I go, I think that's Wonderful! God is using you to pray for your grandparents to be that example before them, and so the best thing you can do for your kids is 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 to keep continue to love their grandkids. Listen, listen! Do everything you can to bring your kids back to you. Don't don't burn bridges. See, grandparents, be. Be at all your grandkids sporting events and plays and recitals. If you're away from your grandkids, visit them or FaceTime them or, or Skype them. Keep that relationship open. Be an example. Don't give up. I, I, I know it's hard in many situations. I know many of you, you are just burdened for your kids because there's broken relationships. And I would say to you, let me encourage you today to, to do everything you can to start somewhere to build that relationship with them. And I know some of us, we may have burned those bridges or it may have been the other way, but I would say as the follower of Christ, it's our mandate to be ministers of reconciliation. If God has reconciled me back to his son, then I need to do everything to reconcile those relationships that were broken, to bring them back. So that's that's what I would say for you grandparents. Let, Let me just say this for some of you older saints. You are... You are so important to our church. You have no idea the role that you play in our church as being an example of someone who faithfully follows the Lord. That we look to you and we see your faith and we see you praying. And we see your faithfulness unto the Lord. We see that, hey, you've made mistakes, but willing to say, God's forgiven me. How can I bridge these gaps? How can I, how can I mend these broken relationships by my example and by me uh, loving, even in a situation that is very unlovable or very difficult? I would say, do all you can to continue to be that example and continue to pray for your kids. And I know that's a, that, that's a heartache for many of you here today, but God hasn't given up on them. God's not given up on them. And so I would just encourage you, encourage you, encourage you to continually be faithful before them. Here's what I would say. Here's what I want you I got a little homework there on your, on your uh, uh, just on your sheets there, on your notes. I think one of the reasons why families get just out of kilter is because they don't know what their values are as a family. And what I would do is maybe as a family is write down some of your core values that will guide you. You know, some of our, our values for our, for our family, when I was growing up, we went to church, we prayed together. One of the things we always did is we always told each other we love each other. So it's just, we're just more of an emotional family. We always gave each other hugs. And I know some of you were brought up in families. You know, those hugs are the most awkward time because you're like, hug like this, you know, your parents are like... You know, you didn't know what to do. You didn't say you loved each other. It was just very, but let me just say, that was one of our core values that we always say, even our kids today, it's like, they may be around our friends. Hey, love you. Love you too, dad. It's not embarrassing. We're so used to it that it's just part of the culture and the core makeup of, of our family that we just say we love each other and that we hug each other. What are your core values? What are the things that are important for you as a family? Is praying together important? Is coming to church together important? What are, the fa- what are the values that you have as a family that you need to revolve around and maybe reprioritize to make God the center of your family? Here's the other thing I want to do for you. Some of you here, you're just like, Pastor, I am just hurting today because of some broken relationships or something that um, my kids are going through and I just need prayer for it. And here's what we want to do for you. We want to pray for you. And if that's you, what I want you to do is in the back of your seats there's prayer cards and those are, you know, if you ever have a prayer need, you can use those and we always pray for those on Tuesday nights. But what I'd like you to do today for those of you that um, that just need prayer for your kids, here's what I would love for you to do. I want you to take that prayer card and I want to write your, your, your child's name down and you may, you may put on that, like, just put their name down or you may put like they just need the Lord, they need salvation or maybe there's some drug problem they're going through or maybe just whatever maybe they've known the Lord and they've just backslid and they need to come back to God I don't know what it is you may just put their name down but on Tuesday night um, we're going to individually pray for every single child by name we had a ton of cards come in in the first service this is a pretty thick list so I know that many of you are hurting, and you want your kids to know the Lord. And we, as the family at Living Word, want to pray for you and pray with you and stand with you. Isn't that what the church is all about? Church is a messy place; it just is. And every family has its issues. And so, we as the church, we want to tell you we love you, we care about you, we want to stand alongside you. Side you, we want to pray for that child. We want them to come into that knowledge and relationship with Jesus so there's restoration and wholeness in their life, whatever they're going through. And we are going to pray for every single name on Tuesday night. So if that's you and you want to write that down, just fill out the card in the back, write their name, maybe just what you want prayer for. If you want to do that, go ahead and just leave it at your seat. And then um, we'll pick them up after the service and we will stand with you and we will pray for you for God to do a great thing. That's what church should be about. We are family. And families should care about each other, and we want to stand with you to see God move in their individual lives. Amen. So I'm gonna pray for you, and we're just gonna we're gonna, we're gonna close in prayer and and ask God just to just to help you in your situation and, and whatever phase that you're in that God would maybe just just redirect your paths if they need to be redirected, redirect some of your prayers if God needs to do that. So let's just commit our hearts and our lives to the Lord so that God can bring the healing into our relationships. So let's stand and we're gonna pray and then we're just gonna close in song. We're gonna sing about Jesus and then we're just gonna close. So let's just pray as we stand today. Thank you for so being so patient. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. And Lord, right now I pray for every family in this place for every parent that's praying for a child whatever the need may be you know about it and god we lay this at your feet and we know jesus you've come to this world to restore that which was broken and so god we pray for our children i pray for any brokenness that's represented here she would bring wholeness and forgiveness and healing so thank you, Lord, that we can come to you and we can cast our burdens at your feet because you do care for us. You've not lost sight of them, God. Thank you for never losing sight of us. Thank you that you leave the 99 to, to, to seek out that one. Thank you for that, Jesus. So we lay these needs and these burdens at, at your feet, Lord, knowing that you can answer them. And so help us to trust you even as we wait help us to trust you god and never stop praying never stop reaching out never stop being an example lord so encourage us through your word we pray today we thank you for this time we ask all these things all these things in jesus wonderful name in jesus wonderful name amen amen let's sing